Hey y'all, it's JJ. And it's Shayna. And we thought it would be fun today to just do like a standalone extended LLC. We hear from a lot of you guys that like this little section is your favorite. And this is when we really get to be like Shayna and JJ and cancel and rant and throw it all away. So, um, And love some things too. Yeah, sure. Whatever. I mean, I guess love happens sometimes um and so yeah so that's what we're gonna do today i'm super excited because llc is my favorite segment so yeah llc ditto all right you ready you want to do one of yours first sure uh so my learn let's start with the learned um because Truth be told, I haven't been feeling very um, experty lately, <laughs> so I can. Um, uh, I don't know if it's as much advice as it is, you know, something that I am experiencing for myself that I can be vulnerable about um, in hopes of, you know, giving somebody else some encouragement. Yeah. So um, one thing that I'm I'm realizing is that I need to know myself better so that I can treat myself better. Um, and I mean, it's, it's a lesson I've been learning. I would say explicitly over the past year or so where I'm starting to pay more attention to the things that give me energy, to the things that make me happy, make me smile, um, to the things that make me productive. Um, cause I think sometimes for me, I, I tune out, like I find things to like either numb or like distract myself so that I don't have to pay attention to, you know, shitty things happening. And so, you know, that can, you know, take the form of scrolling Twitter, (laughs) uh, playing Mortal Kombat, looking for ways to kind of distract myself from myself. And so lately I've been like trying to um, pay more attention to the things that I can do to actively engage my mind and spirit. Um, and I think it's useful advice. Um, kind of doing the key for me is like, do like a self inventory, um, of like, okay, what's, what's making me happy. What do I need? JJ, what do you need to thrive? And what, what are the best conditions for you to one, feel good. And then I put out good work. Um, one example of that is, you know, I've, I've recently been like, oh, well, why, why do I feel down right now? Or like, why am I so like angry or annoyed? And part of that is because I'm a natural extrovert. Um, and I really like people. I like to laugh. I like to collaborate on projects. I like to, you know, uh, get drinks and, you know, have different cuisines and talk about, Real Housewives or whatever. (laughs) And also, I recently um, changed churches. Uh, And so, you know, I'm not surrounded by people as much as I used to be, say, a year or two years ago. And so um, it's it's made me realize, like, wow, like, I really need to be actively engaged with people in order to, like, get some of my energy back. Mm -hmm. Um, And also, you know, that's... that's, um, you know, in church, like that's that's a common uh, phrase. Like you, like you're not meant to fellowship alone, right? Right. Um, another thing that I've <laughs> another example of this is, you know, when it comes to reading. Like I, I love to read. I love to, you know, be a nerd and and absorb things into my brain. But also, 
you know, the way my attention span is set up, it means I also have like 20 books that I have not finished that I get like halfway through. Um, you can attest to this. Oop, I didn't say a word. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, and so then that made me recently be more aware of like the things that I can like digest quickly. So like when I'm on a train or I have a minute at home, like between writing projects or whatever, like, is there a feature like what's the cover story for the uh of the atlantic this month or like what are the comic books that i'm really excited about this week um that i can you know read in 30 minutes versus two weeks you know um so yeah i i um i'm just paying more attention to that to the things that i need to thrive and um and answering the things that are missing that's it that's my learned yeah, I like that. My learn this week was the phrase kneecap your sentences. Have you heard of that? No. So I read this article this week. Um, I will need to find it because I literally like read it through Instagram, but I'm sure it's a real one somewhere. <laughs> um, telling women to stop kneecapping your sentences. Okay. And what that means is using a word that softens the meaning. So the words like just or maybe or sort of to say like, well, that's like, you know, that just makes me feel sort of uncomfortable instead of saying that makes me uncomfortable mm. or saying, well, maybe you could not speak to me that way. It's like, don't speak to me that way. Um, and I realized this week how often I do this. And it's funny because I don't feel like my personality now is necessarily like, focused on softening mm -hmm. but because i i definitely don't think of you as a softener right but if you pay attention to even some of the conversations we've had i feel like when it gets to a difficult place because i don't want to sound difficult or i don't want to seem like an angry black woman i will say like well maybe if we do it this way right instead mm -hmm. of just like saying this is how I feel it should be done. Hmm. Um, so this week I've really just been trying to exclude just maybe and sort of from my language, especially hmm. just. I do just a lot. Like, okay, just checking in or like, it's like, no, hmm. I'm checking on this because yeah. this is something that's important to me. And I'm allowed to make a suggestion and not soften it by saying like, oh, just if we could just do this or just it's like, no, this is what I actually want. Yeah. Um. And, you know, something I've been working on in therapy is really speaking up for what I need, especially emotionally, which I don't do. Like there are often times that I what I, I feel like what I need is asking too much. So I feel I figure out how to like just do it myself mm -hmm. instead of like giving anyone around me the ability to be like, no, actually, it's fine if I step up and do that. Um, and so... This sounds like it's very pertinent right now in your life with people <laughs> or a person. I wouldn't say it if it wasn't. <laughs> I wouldn't say it if it wasn't pertinent, but it is. I mean, I'm, yes, there's a particular person that I feel like I'm trying to learn a lot more to speak up and have conversations and like give them the opportunity to show up. Because I think for me, I always assume that no one is going to show up in the way that I need. Mm. 
And so instead of asking and maybe being disappointed, I instead just try to show up for myself, which has worked, right? Like I've made it, but it's also exhausting and I don't have to keep doing it. Yeah. Um. So yeah, don't kneecap your sentences like is that. the lesson. Yeah. Especially like in a workplace setting. Oh, 100%. Yeah. I, we say maybe like, or maybe if you can like, just do you know and, yeah. and especially we they talk about women doing it a lot but i know everyone does it like uh apologizing a lot and saying like oh sorry for the mistake and like instead of using sorry say like thanks for catching that right mm. like using language i'm gonna mm. post i'm gonna put this in the show notes because there's like a whole list of things that i found that's like instead of saying this instead yeah. of saying like just wanted to follow up it's like following up on this yeah i like that. i don't just want to do anything i'm doing it I had a job opportunity to come back around, mm-hmm. oddly, um, with a different person at the company. Mm-hmm. And I, when he reached out and he and we agreed to meet, he said, "Oh, here's the address or whatever." And I just responded, "Great, that works. See, see you then." Period. Mm-hmm. And it was like I t- I paused before I sent it because I was like, "Am I being like too?" Kurt, like, am I being soft enough? Right. You know, am I being friendly? Yeah. Do I need to put an exclamation mark? Do I need? Yeah. No. And it was like, in especially in this particular context, I don't, I don't really need to do that. No. For what? To me. Yes. You know, um, and I, I think definitely for women, but also minorities. You know. Yeah. Um, so I think that's really good advice. Yes. Yeah. So, that's my learn this week. So let's cancel now. (laughs) Okay. So I want to cancel um, non-black folks asking black folks to do anything related to the <laughs> U.S. government. I know who you talk it's about. It's done. Yeah. It's over. Who did it this week? Don't ask us to do anything else. No, because we did it. For the, We did it. We, this y'all country, did it. This country, we did it. Yeah. And, and the reason we have Trump is y'all. Yeah. We did that too, Cotton actually. Cotton was the the main economic source for this country for hundreds of years we've done enough so and even in recent like yeah because this is the example i know you're gonna get to because you must (laughs) is about voting for trump yes and we did that too so ben miller has a habit of um allowing her quote-unquote allyship to get the best of her um and overstepping her bounds and asking us to do things that uh, she just has no place <laughs> taking liberties doing. So remember last year she said um, women, she, she tweeted it and then deleted it. She said women are the N-word of the world. Mm. Oh, Raped, beaten, yes. married off, work like dumb animals, et cetera, et cetera. They are the most disrespected creatures of the earth. First of all, <sighs> you don't get to use that word in any context, Okay. Um, again, she was quickly... And isn't the phrase black women? Uh... I thought the original phrase is that black women are the niggers of the world. It's, uh... It, she was paraphrasing Yoko Ono. Oh. And it's that, And she coined the phrase, woman is the nigger of the world. So she was... <laughs> All right, Yoko. As well. Right. Um, but... Oh, Lord. This was 2018. <laughs> uh, Yoko is, you know, several decades old and probably was a bit outdated. Bette Miller still spotting this nonsense. So that was 2018 when Bette said that. She was quickly dragged, had to delete the, the tweet. <laughs> so the other day, uh, the Divine Miss M 
said that Beyonce's Twitter followers should show up uh, at the polls and mobilize so that we can defeat Trump. Um, her exact tweet was hashtag. First of all, how dare you hashtag Beyonce? <laughs> Oh, she hashtag Beyonce. Hashtag, hashtag Beyonce has 133 million Instagram followers, more than double the people who voted for Trump. Wouldn't it be amazing if the hashtag Beehive? First, you you hashtagging? Are you crazy? Like you're just inviting the literal like. Nest. You might as well add them <laughs> at this point, bitch. At at me. Mope. Wouldn't it be amazing if the hashtag Beehive mobilized to defeat him? I also wouldn't mind if a regular Beehive fucked his shit up Mittler wrote um <laughs> so I won't I won't like belabor the point but there were obviously a lot of people who were not happy with what she said uh Jamel Hill responded she said being that 98% of black women voted against Donald exactly. Trump you should probably hit up Katy Perry or, or Taylor Swift yep. stop Ask depending their on followers. black women to save everybody yep um and a, a lot of other people are like <laughs> listed the followings of, you know, like those like Katy Perry, um, uh, Taylor Swift, all, all, all these other white female um, musicians, because it was actually white women who put Trump over. Duh. <laughs> so why are you calling them Beyonce's fans? And first and, and then Beyonce also does work already mobilizing people to vote. She's been doing that for the past, what, four or five years. So. Why are you coming for the beehive? Stop asking us to do things for you. <laughs> like get your own people together. And this this um sentiment, uh, I didn't realize it until until after I saw the Bet Miller tweet and got incensed that I had responded to another uh a, a New York Times column that was written by um a a journalist. Well, I guess he's more of a an an opinion writer these days, but Farad Manju, who used to be um, a columnist for a fast company, he's um, he's since done a whole bunch of other stuff, but um, now he writes about tech and society and politics for the New York Times. And he said, um, so he wrote, uh, let's see, so he wrote um, uh, an op-ed, and it's it's the the headline is Barack Obama's biggest mistake. It rhymes with neoliberalism period it was an economic disaster and a political dead end and basically he's criticizing the obama administration for not doing enough to um rein in big money and corporations and tech excuse me during his tenure and this the the, the way that he that he contextualizes it and the op-ed is a little gentler than he than, than how he presented it on Twitter because the tweet was Barack and Barack Obama and his advisors were far too comfortable with growing corporate control over the economy and society. This was the main ideological flaw of the Obama years and it led to Trump that we shouldn't aggressively police the wealthy. So Farhad, um one nothing Obama did right. led to Trump. No. White racism led to Trump. Yes. People's complacency with racism led to Trump. And, and America has been gearing up for Trump since literally day one. Yeah. Nothing is different about Trump and George Washington. Mm. Nothing. Yeah. Good point. 
It's just like we've gone, come to a mental space where we feel like things should have changed. But like this yeah. country's been gearing up for this since 1776. Yeah, I mean, race has been used as a political strategy for decades um, and adopted by, you know, uh, ginning up like racial animus among like white folks has been part of the Republican strategy since like the 60s or 70s. Um, so I, I just don't. That that was just like a, a slap in the face to me because he is like this ultra liberal person. La- like his last column was about defending veganism, which I think I sent to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, he. It, it, so it, the other the other part of of this op ed that just annoyed the hell out of me is that it doesn't mention race one time. It doesn't mention Republican obstructionism one time. Because um, they're the trying to act that, like that's not what it's about. The things about. that Obama tried to get passed that that didn't get passed. The things that um, that Republicans said, calling him a liar on the you know during his State of the Union addresses, uh, publicly declaring that their number one goal was to not let this president pass any legislation. So for you to say he was like too complacent, and this is the reason that corporate interests have gotten out of control, and the reason why billionaires control our legislation and economy, I don't think is. Um, <laughs> I think it's far off base. That's what I'll say. Now, there are a lot of folks, especially a lot of black folks, who will agree that um, Obama could, like, Obama was too comfortable in uh, cozying up to large corporations, especially when it came to tech. But I think that is an everybody problem. Right. You know, like, I remember at Fast Company, like, we would put Mark Zuckerberg or Elon Musk on a cover like it was nothing. You know, meanwhile, they had, like, all these other um, controversies going on. And that was... That was just kind of like the zeitgeist at the time. Like, ooh, look at these, you know, cool, you know, new tech companies doing cool things and just transforming our country and economy um, and just kind of caught up in the the glow of the, of the newness and the innovation. And I think Obama did that, too. Like, he tried to make um, the White House and government in general more tech efficient and, like, and, you know... Uh, advocated for open data and letting people see police records. So I don't think that was an Obama thing. I think that like like the rest of the country, it was like, oh, this, you know, tech is the way forward. We need to be more tech efficient moving into the future. Um, and now that's obviously come to bite us in a whole bunch of ways, um, seeing how, you know, our election was basically hijacked through Facebook. <laughs> um, um, but I don't think it, that it's fair to blame all that on uh, the Obama administration. Right. Um, and so, yeah. So, my cancel is for Bet Farhad. Um, if anybody is responsible for Trump, it's white folks. Yep. Um, stop asking black folks. To do anything else for yep. the government, we've done enough. Yep. End. I'm here <laughs> for it. What you got? Uh, all right, strap in. Okay. Because I've been in. ranting about this all morning. I'm strapped. So, I am canceling the the praise of age defying. Okay. So, this week. J-Lo was on Versace's runway during, I think it was Paris Fashion Week. It might have been London. 
uh, wearing the dress that she wore 20 years ago. That green one that's like super deep and not a lot of cloth. I think she wore it to the Grammys. Mm -hmm. And everyone is in awe at the fact that J-Lo looks younger now than she did 20 years ago. And like how she ages backwards. And... I mean, she does look good. It's not... It's unrealistic for women to not age. Yeah. It's unrealistic. It was Milan Fashion Week. It's not It's not realistic for someone to look 20 years younger, 20 years later. Mm-hmm. J-Lo does not look like that from drinking water. Mm-hmm. J-Lo <laughs> looks like that from having money and having procedures. Mm-hmm. It should not be a compliment that she doesn't look like she's aged in 20 years. That should not be an expectation. What really makes me mad is like, this whole idea of black don't crack, not connected to J-Lo, but when I think about Viola Davis, Gabrielle Union, Angela Bassett, we say that all the time as if that is the expectation that as black women specifically, women of color in general, Mm -hmm. we won't age. Mm -hmm. Aging is a part of life. We should all be so lucky to age because that means that we are still here. So to set this unrealistic standard that in 20 years, I will not only be wearing the exact same dress, but have a better body 20 years later is very dangerous to me. Hmm. Very dangerous. And I feel like I I see that white women are able to not only age, but use that age in a successful way, right? Betty White is pushing 100 years old there is iris apfel who was like a fashion icon who was signed to the same uh modeling agency as carly Kloss. like they there's just white women who have been able to age and everyone accepts that because they are human beings they are going to get older Mm -hmm. their skin is going to wrinkle their bodies are going to look older but i feel like when we get to a place like a Viola Davis, like a Gabrielle Union, like Angela Bassett, where we are older, but we don't look it, then the praise is how black don't crack and how we've just been able to like defy aging. Mm -hmm. Why should we, that should not be something that's expected of me. To me, that is on the same lines as someone coming to me and say, oh my gosh, like so nice that you've stayed thin, Mm -hmm. right? That would be an issue to say that about my body because- As I get older, my body will change, and that should be an expectation. I don't feel like we we have the same expectation of men. I don't feel like that men need to be black, don't crack, and you need to look literally 20 years old, even if you're 70. Right. (laughs) And so this week, what I really liked in the as part of this cancel is that uh, Rihanna has named Joanne Johnson, who's a 67-year-old model, as the face of her Fenty fashion line. Mm-hmm. And this woman looks 67. She has long gray hair. Mm-hmm. She has wrinkles on her face because she's 67. Yeah. And there isn't an expectation that we want to applaud her because she's 67 and she looks 20. Right. And she looks good, but she looks 60. Mm-hmm. And I feel like what what made me internalize this this week is like, you know, I get facials a lot. I just like love them. I want to take care of the skin that I have. But I started to notice like wrinkles by the side of my eyes this week and got very stressed about it. 
And it's because there is a heaping expectation mm-hmm. that I will look 18 <laughs> for forever. Yeah. I'm going to be 33 in a couple of months. Who do you feel that expectation from? Literally everyone. Even when we're talking, you and I have talked about Viola Davis, Black Don't Crack, right? Mm-hmm. That is something that we were like, look at her. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, of course, we're going to internalize the same way we have learned about hair, body image, skin color. Mm-hmm. We're going to internalize that if that gets praised, then that is what I need to be striving for. I need to strive to be a L'Oreal model at 60 something because I don't look 60 something. Are, are you advocating that we cancel Black Don't Crack? Yes. Like, stop saying that? Yes. Wow. It's unrealistic. Mm-hmm. And if we're going to say it, we have to say black don't crack in comparison to non-black, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's like, that's what we're really saying, right? We don't, it's true that we don't seem to age as quickly as non-black women. I understand that. But to to have an expectation connected to it that I can't age Mm-hmm. that it's like I've made it when people look at my mom because my mom looks young people mm-hmm. look at my mom and say oh you're gonna age well because I see and it's like or maybe I will get wrinkles as I get older right. praise God that I'm around long enough to get them right <laughs> I don't want I don't want the expectation to be that people think I'm in high school or college for the rest of my life right. I'm allowed to get old yes you are that's it <laughs> <laughs> But the J-Lo thing really set it off for me because people were really, I, I didn't, I haven't seen anyone get to the root of how J-Lo looks 20 years younger, 20 years later. Yeah. For me, like, I mean, this isn't my, my cancel, mm-hmm. but for me, I, um, I, I, I don't, like, I don't know if I, for me, I don't know if I need to. I think if the praise is isolated and it's saying, wow, she looks great, you know, I don't, for me, I don't need to know what face work she's had. Like if you, cause, cause then that, cause on this podcast, we're also like advocates of like doing what you want with your body. Right. And so if JLo as a star wants to, or a person wants to do a nip tuck here and there and then wear her, you know, the, the Versace dress, you know, that's cut slimmer and more revealingly than it was when she were in the 90s i'm like go ahead girl but this is the same thing about photoshopping models on covers of magazines Mm -hmm. it sets an unrealistic standard when we don't talk about the truth when we don't talk about reality right yeah i guess i i agree with you i just i just would want i wouldn't want to like then stop praising people for looking good you know like you look you look amazing, you know. But like, it, but we don't say you look amazing. We look. We say you look twenty. We look like this right. is specifically about when we call out age in comparison to the age that they are, mm-hmm. right? Like no one to me, like it's not until we have like a Cicely Tyson who's ninety plus but doesn't look it that we're mm-hmm. like, oh, <laughs> like we don't look at like a wrinkled woman and be like she looks good. Right. So it's more like the absence of praise for old for people 100%. who hundred percent who have awesome skin right. who still take care of themselves but don't look like they haven't aged in twenty years. I feel you. And for me, it's like, especially for women, especially for young girls, especially for young black girls. I have nieces. Like we pull in expectations, whether they are said or not. Mm-hmm. And when we open a magazine. And no one looks like us. Mm-hmm. Or when we open a magazine and everyone is 
thinner than we will ever be or when we open a magazine and we see a woman and it says she's 70, but we know that we look over at the people that are 70 in our lives and they don't look that way. It sets an unrealistic standard right. for what we should think our bodies should do. Right. I feel that. And I, I, I don't want that. And I feel like, you know, as we talk about self-inventory, that's something that I took a self-inventory of this week because like... I'm about to be 33. My body looks different. Mm. And like I struggle with like eating and weight and all of that. And I feel like this week I've like gone back to thinking what diets I need to be on because my body looks different. And I I recognize that there. But you look great though. Thank you. So. <laughs> but I recognize that there is a standard that I have put on myself mm-hmm. that is unrealistic. That my body will forever be the same. And I've heard people, and this is getting off into another tangent, I've heard people talk about, like, look how Beyonce snapped back after that baby. Mm-hmm. Who <laughs> cares? If I have a baby and I never snap back, I don't ever want to hear you talk about what Beyonce was able to do with Beyonce's money and time and body. Right? right? Like, And so I think that's awesome. And I think that's awesome for Beyonce. Right. But I, I just worry about that ever being the standard yeah. to what should be the norm. Right. I mean, Beyonce is an alien. So. Right. I mean, she is. <laughs> so but, that's the, but she's also a woman and she yeah. did it. And if I and if I wanted to do it, I could too. Mm-hmm. But like, I just think sometimes praise in general of black women, because this is a whole another cancel, but like this slay of black women is also unrealistic. Some days we're not slaying. Mm -hmm. Some days we have on sweatpants, our hair is tied up, and that is fine. Mm -hmm. We are still beautiful then. Mm -hmm. And, like, I don't want to just continuously scroll of, like, all these pictures where we have done the work to look good. Whatever that work be. It's like, I want to be able to look rough, and I want to be able to get fat, and I want to be able to get wrinkles, because that is, I'm a human being. And my humanity should allow me to transform as a human being. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Loved. Um, you feel what great. What the passionate. world needs now. So my love is National Expungement Week, which is this week coming up. Um, starting today. <laughs> so, uh, National Expungement Week um, is an event where uh, 30 cities, including Atlanta, Boston, Chicago, New York, Philadelphia, D.C., um, have all these free clinics to help remove, seal, or reclassify um, marijuana convictions from tr- criminal records where they're eligible depending on the local legislation. Um, and I just, I saw this and, you know, immediately clapped <laughs> because, you know, um, we talk on here sometimes about how, you know, the cannabis industry is booming, mm-hmm. um, but mostly for white folks. Mm-hmm. Uh, meanwhile, there are black men and women in jail right now for possession of the smallest of, amount of the smallest amount of marijuana for selling marijuana for smoking marijuana um and you know just having a marijuana conviction can prevent folks from voting from getting a job etc 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 um and so i just like that you know this 
is um, that this is happening. It's the second um, annual um, National Expungement Week. The acronym is NEW in the NEW. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like that. It just feels like people are starting to understand this issue um, a little more widely, you know, especially when it comes to entrepreneurship. It's like, you know, if you, I mean, if you can't, in some places where it is now legal to, to own a dispensary, you can't even open a dispensary with um, a conviction, you know? So um, you're trying, even if you're Literally trying Literally whatever to, they can do to yeah. keep us out. Even if you're trying to go about you're like, it. like, uh, and your last name can't be Johnson. Right. Or Williams. Um, so if you're trying to go about it the right way, you know, you still face obstacles. So, um, yeah, so I, I think, you know, it's getting more attention. Um, so I didn't know this either, but here in New York um, last month, um, the state passed a law in which um, 150,000 people with weed convictions um, had their uh, records sealed. Um, um, so that is like not part of their criminal records anymore that's great um and then uh a couple of days ago uh Beto o'rourke who's running for um the 2020 presidential candidacy um met with uh some black cannabis entrepreneurs in oakland um which recently rolled out its uh cannabis equity program that mandates that half of new cannabis-related businesses in Oakland must be run by people who have either been convicted of a cannabis-related crime or have lived in one of the 20 or so designated districts um, with disproportionate numbers of cannabis-related arrests. Um, so, yeah, I just I just love that. I, I um, you know, we're both big proponents of equity, and, um, you know, it pains me sometimes to see how, um, you know, these white entrepreneurs are getting like funding and um and praise in the headlines for starting dispensaries when black folks been you know uh selling weed and like paying the bills and and building empires <laughs> of marijuana uh for decades um i also think that jay-z joined a cannabis related company that was white owned we're not gonna touch him because i know how how that gets you <laughs> yeah um, i'm already fired uh, <laughs> uh, so yeah that's my love national expungement week and for anybody interested you can go to uh the new's website um to find participating organizations and um and events www.offtherecord.us and that's my love Cool. All right, final. So I got the surprise opportunity last night to see Lizzo in conversation with Phoebe Robinson. So Phoebe Robinson from Two Dope Queens was moderating. Lizzo was just being so Lizzo. And um, I just appreciate how herself Lizzo is. It, it is like so inspiring and just like such a reminder that it is a journey. Um And I saw her yesterday at 92Y. We're going to see Hustlers today. And then I'm seeing her at Radio City tomorrow. So I'm just having a full Lizzo weekend, which I'm so (laughs) excited about. But, you know, she talked a lot about her journey to get to this place of loving herself. And she told a story where she was, like, dating this guy. And she really liked him. And they had, like... They were like at home laying on the couch and he said, you know, I've been telling my friends about you and I showed them pictures and they all think you're really beautiful. Like they all think your face is really beautiful. But, you know, like 
that your body needs work. <gasps> what? Yeah. And she was honest to say, like, she's like, I liked him so much. And she was like, I was in my early 20s that I was just like, he's right. My body does. My and God. like, she was like, we dated for a little bit. Oh, my God. And I really appreciated her being honest that she didn't wake up self-confident. Mm -hmm. She didn't. She's like sat through the same BS. None of us do. Right. She sat through the same BS we all have of like dating men who, I mean, I'm sure women do it too, but dating men who, um, you know, will side compliment you or say that they like one thing, but try to change another thing. And um, so I just appreciated that she was honest about that journey and that there's days that she still wakes up and is just like, I'm a hot mess, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, she talked about her journey with depression and how she really just like wants to be honest about that. And so it was a nice reminder for me. And it also tied to something I saw earlier this week. Um, have you seen the video of Promise Me Amore? Mm -mm. So Promise Me Amore is like a middle schooler. Um, who her video went viral this week because she decided to wear her hair, her natural hair just out in a fro. It was not like curled, no twist out. It was just out. And she got made fun of a lot. Hmm. And she um, she's 10 years old. And she came home and told her mom that she wanted to make a video. And in the video, we'll put the link, she says, you know, I was made fun of today and it made me decide that I'm just going to go in with my hair bigger and better tomorrow. I love it. And she uh, she has an Afro is amazing. It's so good. And she has an Instagram and, and it says on there, I'm a 10-year-old entrepreneur. And she was just like, I know what I have. And them making fun of me just showed me that like I'm going to do it again tomorrow. And so That's it just crazy. like makes me. This is hair goals. Yeah. It just like makes me hopeful that we are teaching our girls something that like i did not learn i'm still learning yeah and that's really just like it's not about liking the parts of you that other people like and it's not about liking the parts of you that are the accepted parts right like she she was told to her face that that wasn't cool and she was just like okay i'm gonna keep doing it um so that's my love i just like <sighs> we live in a society especially in the United States of America, where we are shown more images and words and thoughts that we are not enough than I would assume any other population. Mm. And so I think to love yourself in the face of all of that is so revolutionary. And it was just nice to have multiple examples of that this week and then like carry that over into my own life. For sure. Yeah. Well, I'm going to try to carry that over in the mind, too. Yes. Love yourself. <laughs> Love yourself. Yep. All right. Self-inventory. Yes. Figure out what you need to thrive and then fill those needs. Yeah. And don't kneecap your sentences. Mm -hmm. And get old. Get old. <laughs> <laughs> and get your charges expunged. And yes. don't ask black people to do anything Stop for it. you. Yeah. We're done. <laughs> All right, y'all. We love you. Um, make sure to check us out on social. We are at Yo Business Pod on both Twitter and Instagram. And then if you click the link in our bio, you can like listen to us on so many platforms. And then support us. We still have a Patreon. You can support us through Anchor. We need it. Please and you can follow us individually on 
oh, we want to do that still. Um, my Instagram is A-N-U Creature, C-R-E-A-T-U-R-E on Instagram and um, also on Twitter. Cool. And I am JJ McCorvey, J-J-M-C-C-O-R-V-E-Y on Twitter and J-B Fly, J-A-Y-B-F-L-Y on Instagram. Come get to know us a little better. Yeah, love you. Bye. Bye.